0: There are no monsters, no real ones, but there are, there are, are. there are. there are. Yes, there are. This is the collective nightmares podcast we are sociologists who talk horror films my name is marshall smith and the inspiration for the title of our podcast is the notion that horror films can be revealing of the concerns and fears and anxieties of a culture at a particular time or in a particular era and this film is we chose this film as a addresses a topic that seems like there would be more of them because of the topic it addresses and there aren't still. So that I, so that's just as interesting and uh, we can go from there.
1: And I'm Laura Patterson. Marshall and I both have our PhDs in sociology from the university of Colorado at Boulder. And I appreciate when films tackle difficult moral questions that are very relevant to society and this film certainly had the potential to do that. I mean it did. It it tackled very important moral issues. Unfortunately we ended up a bit confused on what it was trying to say about them which is which is tough but this film is at least I think very notable in that it it took on a topic that had the potential to be very politically contentious and um, ideologically contentious for people and that in itself I suppose is an accomplishment.
0: Yeah, it it seems like it was aspirational. It seemed like it aspired to do something more than maybe we thought it did. There's something to be said for that. And that film is Red State, 2011, written and directed by Kevin Smith. The synopsis from IMDb is, set in Middle America, a group of teens receive an online invitation for sex, though they soon encounter fundamentalists with a much more sinister agenda. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Our entire catalog of episodes is available for free on our website, CollectiveNightmares.com. You can find the new episodes we release on our website, Spotify, iTunes. We'd love it if you'd recommend us to friends you think might listen. Give us a rating or a review. Share it. Message us. You can find us uh, on Instagram at collective nightmares. Reach out. Let us know. What you what you think and if there's films you'd like to see we have done we have covered films based on fan recommendations so so if you're bold enough to to send us a message we're open to to hearing what you have to say we hope you accept our online invitation to join us for our discussion of red state
1: Alright. Thank you for just I had to vent that before we Oh started. yeah. Oh um, yeah. and I'm gonna try to focus on the movie. So many things have happened in my brain since I've seen the movie because yeah. it's a crazy day and I've really I've been working since like six. But I did get up and run. I did do two sets of push ups today because they each take like less than a minute. I'm good at it. I can actually like comfortably like push out ten really easily now. They're like real push-ups, so I'm proud of myself. Anyway, let's talk about the film before I okay. that Let's do then. that. Right, right. Right, 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 right. What did we see? <laughs> <laughs> red state
0: we watched red state written and directed by kevin smith it is probably his least known film because it's so it's out of form for him and very difficult to find uh that's interesting to me um that is interesting to me uh that i was interested or that it was difficult to find which thing i'd seen it before so why don't you Keep ranting and
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like like full disclosure on the category of our ongoing uh, trials and tribulations with COVID and our podcast, I should just say, yeah, that I am I'm emotionally reeling today in part from the fact that the University of Colorado is asking us to come back to campus to teach and I feel like that's unethical. So if my energy is a little off or just my focus is a little off, I apologize, but that is part of, I guess, living during this time period that we're in. So I'm going mm-hmm. try to try to bypass that and focus on our film. I <laughs> I sort of liked it. I For the first half of the film, I thought I didn't really like it. And the reason I didn't like it was because I felt like it was doing, you know, we've had this conversation before, Marshall, but I always say you need to make the best version of your enemy's argument and then shoot it down. And I felt like it was dangerously not doing that. Like it was taking such an extreme example of religious fundamentalism that it was arguing against. And by doing that, I think there's a, there's a temptation, probably particularly if you're a, a critic of the film, right? If you're someone who maybe agrees with at least some of the, religious fundamentalist mindset that it was targeting or agrees with it to a much less extreme extent than the film depicted, that it could look like it was demonizing you in a way that was unfair and it would lose resonance and it would feel like a just a cheap attack rather than, huh. you know, actual commentary on on a real problem that exists in our society. And as someone who is very critical of, I guess, the real problem that surrounds these ideologies and these arguments, it felt too extreme and not nuanced enough for my taste. I wanted it to make a a more subtle argument because I think the more subtle argument still flies and is more broadly applicable and doesn't turn this into some sort of like, it could be seen as casting everyone who is Christian or maybe everyone who is at least evangelical Christian or something, you know, in this, this group that would torture and murder people. And that felt problematic to me. It actually reminded me a little bit of of some of the critiques I have when I watch Michael Moore films, which are that I generally agree with the argument. And yet his presentation style is sometimes I find really problematic. And then I get very upset with him for like making my argument, but doing it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So I just, the first half, at least of the film, I, I felt that way. I felt like it was, it was overly simplistic. It was overly villainizing. And it just, I felt like poorly constructed as a narrative in that there really wasn't much nuance and subtlety. The dialogue was comically weak in some points. I mean, I particularly would say when people were on the phone, it was laughable how much they were repeating what the other person said. So we'd understand and it just didn't need to be that bad. All of that said, by the end of the film, I actually, I liked it a lot more sort of I again feel like it wasn't put together super well, but there was a real solid attempt, I think at the end of the film to call itself out on exactly the argument I was just making, right? At the end, John Goodman's character really stands up for this idea that you, you can't paint your say enemy in air quotes, but like the, you know, an argument that you're opposing, you can't paint that with just broad strokes and demonize everyone and decide that they're just wrong and that we don't have any similarities or, or, totally deny their humanity or the fact that what they're doing makes sense. And by by calling himself out on that, I feel like he called the film out on that. And I, I appreciated that. But it, I would say as a narrative, it didn't seem to come together. I, I was so glad he did it. And yet I just feel like the overall message of the film got a little muddled because the first large chunk of it, I didn't feel that message at all. And then to throw it in at the end, just felt kind of disjointed. So that was a long, <laughs> a long thing. I'll break and let you talk. But I guess that was my take overall. I, I don't know. I kind of liked it. I kind of didn't. Yeah.
0: I kind of like it too. I'd seen it once before. It was maybe out of order, but that's okay. I recommended it because... Why did I recommend... Well, I recommended it, one, because of the, the relevance. And two, because it was such a... It's such a different horror movie in that it is... it It really is trying to do something it's very deliberately trying to be real. And, and also, I mean, it's, it's tackling politics and religion, right? Which is often, (laughs) I guess what movies avoid as much as you're supposed to avoid it with family or whatever the adage is. And it always stood out to me as it just stood out to me as a different kind of film. And I don't know exactly what we just watched recently that made me think about it in particular, but, but I, I guess I always appreciated it. And then it's funny too, because I put it in the category with interesting, with interesting enough, which is red eye, which is Wes Craven's probably least known film, which I don't know if you ever saw that, but it's a, it's a horror film thriller built around a, a terrorist attack. And I use that, I sometimes bring that up in when teaching it or talking about horror films where we talk about horror as this transgressive genre and the genre that I mean the title of the podcast is collective nightmares is, is that the fears and anxieties of our culture produce these conditions of possibility that result in the prominence of subgenres or specific topics of horror films and yet in the wake of September eleventh there were no horror films about terrorism for years I guess for at least a decade Red state is uh is two thousand and eleven Red eye is two thousand five which was so it just strikes me as so odd that you know if our theory it seems like something that the theory needs to be able to explain is if presumably what the threat and the fears of our culture post-September 11th was so much fixated on terrorism. How or why was that translated so... Why didn't that translate into more films like this or like Red Eye? Particularly if... I mean, I don't think it is, but there is an argument that, to a great extent, Hollywood is liberal, leftist, anti-religious or a-religious folks. So anyway, that that's some of the context of why I suggested Red State, is it just seems like such a different film in that era, post-September 11th, when it just seems like an outlier. And so that to me makes it very interesting. I agree with you, it is clunky at times. It's not maybe at times, like the whole thing is generally kind of clunky. And what else did you say? I'm a little bit, I'm with you, Laura, not being totally focused and and things have happened since since I watched I finally watched it last night <laughs> in time so you weren't like waiting on me to finish the movie and uh of course then we got all sidetracked today but uh so despite all those problems and the clunkiness i have given it credit or i thought it would be interesting to talk about again particularly because it seems like such an outlier to me and that is especially true given the whole like notion of fear and anxiety around issues. Oh, okay. Now I really am remembering what I, fear and anxiety around at least uh, half the population or maybe, I don't know, 30, 40%, whoever who watch documentaries like Jesus Camp and read about white supremacists infiltrating certain bases and certain uh, branches of the military in order to get training for this exact kind of thing and the rise of militias. And we've got all the way back to Bush Cheney of censoring these reports that domestic terrorists, particularly these white Christian evangelical militias are the greatest threat to the country rather than scary Brown people over there somewhere that this wouldn't be a more, there'd be something more than one film in the last 20 years that took that on. And then the other thing that, that I appreciate about the film or that you were saying, which I think is really interesting. What you were saying is I think I found, I don't know if it's the opposite or the converse or whatever it is, but to me it was, it was problematic in, in how extreme it was because it made it so distant. Like I felt like they took it so far and so extreme so that they would, the evangelical group, the Christian, what are they? The Trinity, Pentagon, something, five, Trinity, whatever. Who's the fucking group? <laughs>
1: Pentecostal?
0: no in the in the film who's the cult
1: i don't know oh my god
0: (laughs) (laughs) well that's okay i can't blame you i don't know either (laughs) Uh, uh hold on uh five points trinity church okay is they made them so they take it to the extreme where they say even the westboro baptist church who are the God hates fags, funeral, protester, incest, wingnut, radical church thinks these folks are too extreme as do the KKK or whoever they said. And for me, that I felt like they did that so that they weren't going to implicate Christians, even evangelical Christians. And even like an evangelical Christian could watch it and be like, oh, well we're not like them. So it's it's so fascinating to me that you have said, well, I think it was too broad and that that Christians would that the argument in the film could be extrapolated and applied to too many Christians and that was a lazy argument. Is it well, am no, I no, misunderstanding I th- what you said?
1: No, I think in real life it could be applied to to a wider variety of people than they applied it to in the film. And I think by I well, I guess I'll say it this way, by by focusing on such an extreme example in the film, it felt to me like people who I would want to implicate in this argument, people who I would want to watch the film and say, oh, gee, you know, does this argument potentially apply to me? Can I see myself in these characters? Can't, because the characters are so extreme. And so if anything, I think if either there's, like you said, this distance between a viewer that falls vaguely in the spectrum of (laughs) <laughs> you know, like common, I guess, in our country, they're not gonna see themselves as as reflected in this. And to the extent that somebody might view this as, you know, gosh, even by naming it red state, right? We're talking like, hey, these are some of the ideologies and the arguments that are propelling this portion of our government, and people are making these ideological arguments, and this is really problematic for a variety of reasons. Someone who might look at it and think of it as that could really quickly just dismiss it and say, those crazy liberals think we're all extreme horrible people like this, and they're obviously wrong. And so it just, it doesn't do a very good job of making the argument that I would have wanted it to make, which is that othering and excluding people and thinking that you have, that you deserve the right to infringe upon someone else's rights. That mindset is itself problematic. And that people that have had the power to do that for a long, long time, and face some resistance to that power, I think very often see that resistance as then taking away their own rights. And that's just not, that's a remnant of the fact that they haven't even been, I think, aware of the fact that for so long they've had the power that is not just and isn't right, which is the power to dictate how other people get to live so that they live, they should live in alignment with your values. You know, that's not, that argument I think is very important. And I think the film did a fairly weak job of presenting that argument by choosing something. Yeah. That was so extreme. If, if anything, it may have hurt its ability to present that argument because it was so extreme that I think anyone who thought that's the argument they were presenting could, could easily dismiss it.
0: Okay. So we're actually in agreement that I misunderstood what you were saying. Cause I agree with you completely is the film would allow for someone who is on that end of the spectrum of fanatic, evangelical intolerant christian to say oh yeah those people are terrible but i that doesn't apply to me at all
1: yeah yeah and i mean to me the real crux of the issue there is people believing that they have the ability to take away someone else's rights because that someone else doesn't fit their version of good and, you know, I think it, that can be, that can happen absolutely outside of the context of religion. I mean, I think racism is another example. That's we have a very long and prevalent history in this country of, of people doing exactly that. And not necessarily for religious reasons, but just, hey, I, you know, believe that this group of people is somehow better and more deserving of rights than this other group. And we're actually going to legally dictate that we're going to say, oh, you don't count, you don't get to vote, you don't, you know, I mean, that's, again, not just with racism, with sexism, right? There's, there's, Plenty of examples of of people doing that, I think it gets i don't know if i'll say more dangerous i just maybe i 'll say it this way. I think a common way that that instinct expresses itself is through religion because religion is a very i want to say good in air quotes good way that people can get justification for those beliefs right if you're If God told me that this is what morality is, this is the way the world is supposed to be, and I believe in God, so I'm going to do what God says then it's like the argument ends right there. You have your justification. And so that, I think often those things align. I think it aligns with religion very often, but it's not exclusively found in religion. But just in general, the argument being believing you have the ability to take away someone else's rights because they don't fit your version of what good is. That's problematic. And I would like to see a film address that better. Yes,
0: I agree with you completely. And now I'm asking myself, for all the films where I've been really disappointed and upset with the film for, for having so much more potential that it was unrealized. Uh, I'm asking myself why I wasn't more frustrated with this film because I think there was potential. I think there was real potential unrealized in the film to, to address, like you said, to present a better version of this argument if in no other way, at least with a less, you know, a, a less, like you said, comically extreme Christian cult. Per, I have a respected appreciation for Kevin Smith as a, someone who pulled himself out of nothing and made a film and became a filmmaker and other, some of the other things he's done, even if I think some of his films are really not good. And then... It, so I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because it's such an exception. I sort of think of, uh, right, Dark Waters comes to mind where it's such a anomalous film. It's such an outlier that, or I put, or we put, I don't know how to say that. You put so much, you, the general, you put so much pressure on it to do everything. And it's it's like, well, why do I forgive it? Because it failed in these ways. And then there's other films where, a bunch of the issues have already been kind of explored and addressed, so you have a lot of a lot more trial cases and and test cases that you could have learned from to to make things better.
1: So I, I think, well, first of all, you're reminding me of our suggestion that we should make Dark Waters as a horror film, and I still love that. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to put it on the on the one day list to do a screenplay about that because that would just be oh, that could have been so good, so good. But I think it would make sense here to just quickly lay out kind of the moral inventory of the film because I think it'll be pretty easy to do, right? It started making the argument that, <laughs> I'm trying to think how how general to get when I say it because I'm so tempted to go into the argument of taking away people's rights. But they, I'm going to say we can't make that argument largely because they went so extreme. So I don't know, or can we? the The point of the film at the beginning is that there are some people who take their faith and their belief in God, how do we say this, so far that if they believe that God says X, they will absolutely infringe upon other people's rights to, a, I mean, to killing someone, which is like the most probably extreme way you can infringe upon those rights to that extent. And that is scary and wrong that was certainly the whole beginning, right? And sure. and also, we were given this impression of the people who were in the church as basically wanting to be good, right? There were people who, they weren't just monsters, you know, looking to be sadistic, right? They were, they believed they were after good. They loved their little kids. They hugged people, you know, the preacher, I think having, having the boys in the cages, and then having the preacher walk to the back of the room and talk to the little five-year-old or whatever about like, oh, tell me what you did in school today when you get home. There was a lot of commentary around that. So I think it was that these people don't believe they're doing wrong. And and that is what makes it so dangerous because they think they're acting out of good. And what they're doing out of good is, again, taking away people's rights, but again, to the most extreme extent possible. And that is a bad thing. And that is a, a very needed argument. I think that's an argument that we really do need to make in society and that's where I guess we're both being critical of the fact that they chose such an extreme example that it, it really weakens their argument and it makes it less applicable in places where it really should be applicable. So that's where they start. Then we've got the police coming in and we've got basically the police, how do we say that? They start making decisions that are based on their own convenience i want to be promoted i don't want to lose my job i don't want to look like an idiot whatever it is it's just following orders yes yes right so yes following orders because someone told them to and also believing that these people in mass are bad right or bad enough that we might as well kill them they're all doing a terrible thing and they all deserve to go which in some ways is analogous to the lack of understanding that the characters at the beginning are showing of other cultures in general, right? We don't, we've decided they're bad. I don't know anything about them. I'm not going to like talk to them or try to get to know them. I'm just going to kill them. And so we've got like the protagonists, I guess what I think are basically shown to us as a protagonist in the film at the beginning, I mean, as in the police coming in and saying doing the same type of problematic stuff and then we've got John Goodman's speech at the end where he says, you know what, I stopped that. I realized that I shouldn't, I shouldn't paint everybody with such a broad brush. We needed to allow for, you know, the, all the scenes with like getting the kids out alive and whatever. There was certainly an argument for like, we can't just demonize this whole group of people. We should, we have some similarities. We should try to understand people, whatever it is he said, which would argue for some balance in that. And so like overall, that message kind of hangs together. What do
0: you think of that? Uh, Well, there's two things. The one thing we really need to talk about is the fact that Stephen Root, the sheriff, is closeted gay, pretending to be the upstanding married man, and his closeted life is what neuters him as an arbiter of of the situation. And not only that, the, the kid he's the one who kills the kid who has escaped. I feel like the film was, was really nihilistic in that I came away with a, with an impression and we should sort out. I appreciate what you're doing. Cause we need to sort out if that was just my impression or if that was actually there, if it was like a summary of 84 effect or what's going to happen after we talk it out. But I came away with this really nihilistic impression of like federal government is corrupt and is, not going to really protect anyone and the wingnut evangelical extreme the religious extremists are also really dangerous and there was some sort of bizarre kind of equivalence of neither one of them is actually good and that is odd (laughs) if for no other reason than What we have seen is that in the last at least 20 years, if not longer, I don't know, but that in this century, it's a bizarre thing to say, but in this century, the federal government has been unwilling to prosecute and enforce and restrict the evangelical militarized militia groups. But the film has them like snuff them out. Like you say, just as a, I don't, I don't even know, to make themselves look
1: better. It's like an equivalent attitude from the evangelical group on whatever everyone they've decided is bad, which is like, oh, well, we just we don't care about them. They're horrible people. It doesn't matter. We just want to get rid of them. And then the same perspective from the police, which is like, oh, those people, we don't care about them. They're just horrible people. We want to get rid of them.
0: But, it, but it's not just the police. Again, I, I think it's important that it's federal government because- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because the and I would just want to spell out for, for someone listening, that is important because historically speaking, local police, even state police at the direction of governors has have been more rampantly racist and particularly racist. And it has been, at least in civil rights era, it has been the federal government who has since civil rights legislation of the the 50s and 60s it's been the federal government that has been able to come in and scrutinize and overrule the racist practices and corruption of the white supremacist linkages between local police and local sheriffs and judges and jails county jails and things like that and point of fact one of the few things that eric holder obama's attorney general did as useless as he was, I got to say that one of the few things he did was he actually was and instituted a program of evaluating and regulating some of the more racist local police departments in particular, in response to Ferguson, Missouri, where they went in, the federal government takes over the running that police department and does that with a particular intention of, of dismantling the racist infrastructure that's there. And that's something that of course, immediately Trump and uh, I don't even know whoever is sessions and whoever was the attorney general before that just immediately with rescinded. So, and I mean, they make a big deal of it's the ATF. It is the federal government, local government in this case is, or not local government, local police are kind of inept. I don't know. It's just interesting to me that the local Guy, the local Stephen Root, the local police person who shows up. We have our kid who has some miraculously escaped, who is going to be persecuted by this religious group unfairly. They're not gay. I mean, they switch their rationale of they say he's like, look, I'm not gay. I say, oh, it's worse. You were going to all hook up with a woman, group sex or whatever. But presumably, the initial thing was you're gay. I'm not. So he's a he's a an innocent. Victim, he would be anyway, and has escaped the clutches of this only to have that local hypocritical sheriff kill him when he steps away from freedom. I don't know what that means, but that is a a crucial, there's something ideologically really important in that happening. Because that also sets off the whole, it, it turns the film into this whole like, I don't know about comedy of errors, but which it's Goodman says at the end of like, all this responsibility gets dispersed into bad luck and coincidence and, and mishap, which I really, I don't like that at all. I really don't like that. I would like them to take the argument. Maybe that's what bothered me about that is it makes it the escalation is just chance or mistake, right? Cause the, the sheriff shoots him, He's on high stress because he's worried about being outed. Is that why he kills him? We don't really know. Or does he just get itchy trigger finger and kills him?
1: I don't know. You're exactly right. And that is super important. And it also comes up right at the beginning of that scene where someone fires, right? And then John Goodman jumps in and says, like, why did you shoot? That wasn't when he killed the boy, was
0: it? Yeah, that's the... That was, that's, that was when the boy died? That's Steven Root killing the kid into the fountain. And then oh, when right, the right, kid, right. Okay,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then when the okay. kid is dead, then the cult, then shots have been fired and then Goodman is like, okay, you have to come out. But then they've fired first. ATF has fired first. So then the cult is more justified and, or, you know, then then it's like, well, we're not going to come out with our hands up because look, this person you just shot and killed i don't know know, it just makes everything really muddy
1: you're exactly right and we don't know whose side we're on i think that's part of the problem right we've got people arguing essentially that we need to kill all of these cult people and there seems to be the argument well they're just terrible people we just need to snuff them out get rid of them we don't care there also seems to be this practical argument like you're saying which is well, we've fired first and now they're going to go tell somebody and then we're going to get in trouble and I'm not going to get my 401k or whatever going on. And then you've also got people like the, um, the deputy who was with the young girl who's kind of considering, oh, maybe I should help her, maybe I shouldn't. So there's, there's all of this going on. And with all of that messaging, we need to be clear what the message of the film was. I mean, sometimes the message of a film can be there are a lot of perspectives and it's confusing, but that didn't feel to be what they were getting at with that. I think that's why we're, we're muddling around in this a little bit because we don't really, we don't really know what the film was saying. And, and it's a, it is, it's a weird choice to have one of the primary ideological actors in your film do something and then not even know what their motivation was because you provided two motivations that are really, I don't know if I'll say conflicting, but just give a very different argument.
0: And so there's, there is also a a possibility that, The argument of the film is that when you have competing very extreme ideological factions or or believers, when you put them into that situation that the conditions of possibility are such that chaos is gonna ensue and it's not gonna be good for everyone, anyone.
1: I mean maybe. But then right like Charlotte kills her mom, which was confusing. Which was also an accident. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like and then that boy's name but he's sort of working with charlotte for a second then isn't at all then they go outside and charlotte has some idea of how they're going to be able to survive this and get the kids out and then she gets shot right
0: yeah then then goodman's goodman's right-hand man who is like you have to follow orders or whatever walks up and kills him while Goodman's kind of trying to talk to him and figure out what he's going to do.
1: So, like, everybody's doing different things at the same time, so we don't really know why anything happened.
0: My personal belief is that federal government does need to be able to go in and infiltrate some sort of radical militia who's stockpiling weapons and are sowing havoc to to justify their their violence. They were... I can't remember exactly what it was, but it seemed like the, the church was killing people, was killing, killed the gay kid that was the funeral at the beginning in order to stoke tensions between Westboro Baptist Church and, and the community and the police and like, just kind of so chaos. I mean, if the federal government's not going to do that, who is? And, and presumably we, those folks are, or can be a real threat at least according to our intelligence agencies. So I guess the other thing would be, the other option would be, it's a, just a real nihilist film of no one here is in the right. And and it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong because at the end of the day, even though it's a, wrong, Goodman still gets a promotion because he did end up following orders, at least incidentally. And I gotta, I'm sorry, I know you want to say some One more thing, which is, It really seems bizarre to me to pick, like I said, the two of the most loaded topics in U.S. culture at the time of fundamentalist evangelical or fundamentalist extremist Christians, gun ownership, and then like jurisdiction of federal government and put them face-to-face with each other, homosexuality, homosexual rights, gay rights, um, put that all together and then, and then just have everything be accidents and misfires. And uh, like, if you're going to pick the most political and ideologically contentious topics, take them and do something with them. <laughs> yeah, I, but I'm liking it less that I'm, that I'm, that we're talking about this. Cause I, yeah, I just feel like it keeps getting muddier unless the argument was or all this extremists mixed together is just a recipe for disaster. And I don't like that because in the historical context of of there needs to be a federal ability to go in and address a group that is, like you said, is violating people's rights to the extreme of killing them. Somebody's got to be able to do that. Federal government has to be able to do that because what we've learned is that local governments won't because because historically they're in on it or they're at least turning a blind eye to it. So that doesn't work for me either.
1: That seems really dangerous. It seems really dangerous to have a film where if, if you were arguing essentially that, yeah, that when someone is grossly violating other people's rights, yeah, they're wrong, but the solution to it's messed up too. (laughs) Like that's not, that's not a, That's not an okay viewpoint (laughs) to put forth on that. It's just not, I, it's not. I think there was some attempt at relativity in general in the film and that I agree with, but I think I agree with relativity in the context of still holding that ground of violating someone else's rights is not okay. Like that needs to be the basis on which the film is built. And then I think absolutely having a layer of relativity where you show, which they did, where you show that the members of the cult or whatever are trying to be good people, believe they're being good people. That's important to know. And I think it's also important to know that those who are, are acting on the side of righteousness and shutting them down. And I keep saying it that way and characterizing the, the, police and the federal agents that way only because the film starts off as like about this sect and the sect is clearly demonized by the film. And that makes sense. That's what it makes sense for the film to be about. Then it gets more complicated. I realize every time I say this, that we've got our, our protagonists over here who are messed up too and aren't protagonists. But I guess that's where I'm coming from in assessing this is that they should be protagonists. Right? Mm. They should be arguing against legitimately what the cult is doing because what they're doing is problematic. And so in this case, when we've got these, we, we've got the, I mean, it's like a horror films. What a horror film does is it tells you what good and evil is. And so clearly the, the cult is evil. So now we need good to be fighting it. But then when you take good and you, you problematize good, that can be important to do too. As long as you don't lose the message that bad was bad in the first place, because it still needs to be. And I think you need to be really careful and, and make a thoughtful argument with that nuance if the nuance is like, hey, our approach to dealing with this recreates some of the same problematic uh, views of other people that, that caused this problem in the first place, I think that's actually kind of a cool argument, and you might be able to do something with it. I think this film just did not, it didn't come together clearly enough, and it wasn't deep enough and well done enough to make that float. And so that that was really what I left with, with John Goodman's speech at the end. I thought that's what they were getting at. It just... I think it doesn't come together. And, and that's dangerous when you're dealing, like you said, with these really important topics. It's dangerous to have it hang together so weakly.
0: And, and I think you just explained much better than I did what I, was, what I was referencing mostly subconsciously or mostly without having articulated it even to myself when I was saying it was nihilist. Because, yeah, it's, no one's good even the people who mean well are bad the people who are trying to do well are follow i, I think goodman at some point try he tried to plead the case of like oh you know if you give me some more time i can figure out a different way or a better way to to do something to get into the compound or whatever it was so he had some mean, and then there's the the thing about well i'm not going to lose my pension over whatever. And so he's sort of well-meaning, but he's then turned evil. So like you said, everybody who demonized is, like you just said, no one ends up being a, a good person. And that can be okay if that's used as like a learning.
1: John Goodman does redeem himself somewhat, at least when he's in that hearing. I think the message he puts out is that he decided not to follow the orders, not to just kill everyone. And he did that for all these nuanced reasons and you know, we need to realize that we have similarities and maybe that here's what I think here's my issue I'm realizing and saying this for the fourth time that the argument that he's providing there is not Part of the conversation of the initial argument that the film was about and so that's why it's weird It's what he says in that speech is true, but it doesn't answer the initial question (laughs) it's like the initial question is is demonizing this group of people who are taking away others rights and there's never really a referendum clearly on that because what they do is then they've switched the question to, well, should we just blow up all of them, including the children? And and then John Goodman's like, well, you shouldn't other everybody completely. We should have a little bit of variation here. And that's fine, but that's not like, they're just, they're just, they're different. I don't know if that makes sense, what I'm saying there.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think I was, I'm glad you interjected there. Cause I think I was just confusing what you said better before with the, but I do want to add that. And then that's undermined as well because Goodman is like, you're right. I stopped the orders. I didn't, when they all came out, I didn't just execute them like I was supposed to. And he's like ready to fall on the sword. He's like, okay, I, he's ready to be fired. And, and they're like, Oh yeah, here's your slap on the wrist. And by the way, come back. And he's like, I'm, I'm being promoted. And so even his his well intentioned i'm willing to face the consequences is undermined and then You're we right the, and then the whole thing we've got with the call of the the Lord's trumpets or whatever was also just coincidence and then I think the other thing we do we do need to mention is the eco college kid collective who were growing pot, and they end up fucking going to jail too, <laughs> even though they were. I don't know what they were. They were, uh, they were remaining outside the fray. I mean, they were like antagonizing the the preacher. They were not antagonizing, but they were manipulating, which they did successfully, but manipulating him. They saved his life because he thought it was rapture, which is why he put down all his guns. Right. So the eco collective saves them just by coincidence.
1: So you're sure. you're absolutely right. And serendipity has no place in a real ideological moral argument, unless your argument is about serendipity. <laughs> That's the only circumstance whereby that could be appropriate. You're right. That 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 just completely undermines whatever argument they're trying to make.
0: So it seems like I don't know whatever the intention was, but but it is. It's a really nihilistic film of none of nothing matters. It's all coincidence. Anything could have happened anyway. At any time, anybody could end up shooting someone mistakenly or, or surviving mistakenly. Or if you do survive, you're still going to end up, you don't know what the consequences are going to be, which I, I appreciate the nihilism of that, but I think it's really dangerous to do that in, a, in the context of these topics and issues. That doesn't totally, seem
1: right. I totally agree with you. And I just want to revisit briefly what you said earlier about the, the policeman who was closeted gay and that impacting his ability to carry out what he needed to do in this situation, but also the many scenes that we saw of him just staring at his wife and clearly feeling guilty and then holding the gun to his head. And there was a lot of effort at showing the sincere belief in whatever this ideology is that's promoting this cult. And I thought, I don't know, I feel like there was a place in the film then to comment on the wider spread nature of those types of arguments, I guess. I don't think they commented on it, but I, I just feel like those scenes were only necessary. I don't know, it's like, it, it was, it's only necessary to show us that he intends to be good and is struggling internally with this. and And that was, it came up in the church pews also. there was way longer than necessary preacher sermons. I mean, just way more than we needed to know. And all of that, to me, though, felt like it was directed at trying to understand this argument, trying to understand where they were coming from. I don't know what they really did with that. I mean, I guess that ties into John Goodman's thing at the end about, like, we need to understand these people a little bit or something or whatever he's saying. But there seemed to be an attempt a little bit to humanize them. At the same time, I think they were the villains, And normally, if those two sentences came out of my mouth, that would be a film I liked. But I think it just didn't come together in this case.
0: I very much agree. Very much agree. I'm pulling up to see what Goodman said. So he says, and I think this is probably the thesis of the film. He says, People just do the strangest things when they believe they're entitled. But they do even stranger things when they just plain believe. This is after his story about the dogs that were littermates and friends and whatever that's worth, that line is interesting, but I I guess that's it. Right. And then it's all, it's coincidence, really nihilistic film. I'm trying to think if there's, I'm trying to think if there's any other film that I've ever, that really tried to make the argument of like, everything is futile. Isn't this Sartre and the uh, existentialists? It's all pointless. You really can't impact anything. Your choices are just your choices. Anyway, I, it seems like there's some other film that feels really... But I, I, I anyway, I don't know. I, I still don't hate the film, which is odd.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry. What I'm getting caught up in right this minute, and maybe we should just call it soon. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm getting hung up in right this minute is... In those lines of John Goodman's that you read, he's implicating himself and the government response as much as he's in his position of power as much as he's implicating the religious sect, right? And so we can't just believe that they're all terrible and whatever and and go in and, you know, across the board kill everybody because we're right. And on the one hand, that's true, but I feel like there's a, a potential for this to bleed into. I feel like my brain's working a little slowly here, but some sort of like white privilege argument in the direction of well we need to understand oh we're all the same here as in this religious sect is saying that homosexuality is wrong and these people deserve to die and you know they're sort of unfairly painting another group in doing that and we as those opposed to this sect are also saying that these people are bad and they deserve to die and we're unfairly painting them and there's the potential for an equivalence there in terms of oh it's just our different cultures clashing right it's just our different perceptions of morality but they could be equally good and the the huge difference there i think is again looking at what behaviors people are are doing right the the religious sect is not being persecuted for things that don't involve the taking away of others rights so nobody's telling them they can't believe what they want to believe and sit in their room and talk about it and whatever but the police and the you know, the government is coming in and saying, okay, if you try to kill someone, then we're going to take away your rights, right? We're going to take away your rights because we have that ability because what you're doing is wrong. And what you're doing is wrong because you're taking away someone else's rights. And so there gets to be that sort of sticky territory where I think someone in particularly groups that have had power and are used to having the right to control others will look at someone coming in and, and taking away their right to control someone else's rights as like an infringement on their own rights. Right? If, I hope I didn't get too lost in words there, but are you following that right? Yeah. So there's a there's a danger, I guess, in John Goodman's speech at the end that it, it could bleed into that type of argument a little bit. Like, hey, we just need to understand them and they need to understand us. And I mean, on, a, on some sort of human level, I suppose that's true. But that doesn't mean that you need to tolerate someone else's desire to take away someone else's rights. And that line needs to be drawn really clearly. I don't know that it was in this film. And I think, I I guess all I'm saying is in drawing that equivalence, you're glossing over that really important difference between what the government's doing, which is only taking away rights in the context when that's to protect somebody else's and what the sect is doing, which is taking away other people's rights because they believe it's good and right and their version of morality is what counts.
0: I think that was beautiful. I think we should end on that and grade the film okay i think that was just fantastic everything that you just said there Laura, that was yeah
1: can we before we do can can we just go back to like the first thing you led with because i think it has the potential to be interesting and you can cut this if you want to from the podcast it doesn't float but what you said about there not being horror films about terrorism i found really interesting and the first thought i had around that was that this film how do i say that If in the wake of September 11th, you had had a film about terrorism that showed terrorism as the problem, it would have been kind of the opposite in terms of societal power dynamic than what's going on in this film. This film is picking on a group that has a lot of power. If you had had a film in the wake of September 11th that was anti-terrorism, it would be picking on a group that had less power and was currently being persecuted to an extreme extent because of the terrorist acts of a small group of people.
0: You're talking about terrorism as like,
1: well, like September 11th, particularly. Because you had mentioned you know, there weren't films in the uh, film
0: A foreign terrorism, not a domestic yes. terrorism. Yeah, and yeah, not yeah. a domestic white terrorism. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just clarifying. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is yes. interesting. So I think categorizing those two as similar. There's a similarity maybe between them, but there's also a huge difference in terms of what that film would be doing to like the overall power structure and whether it's reinforcing societal stereotypes or not. And then, but even... Setting that aside your question of why those films don 't exist, would it be horror, and that for some reason got weird for me when you asked that, and I thought, well, there was like homeland I mean there were like shows about terrorism, but what makes it horror horror if people are scared in the wake of September eleventh I could certainly see us making an argument for a variety of horror films emerging that make us feel a sense of usness birth versus of themness, and you know an evil that you can control and counteract and you can clearly categorize and whatever. But why not just hit it on the nose? And if you did hit it on the nose, would it still be horror? And if not, why?
0: I think they're great questions. They're questions I've thought about off and on for however long since since Red Eye came out, <laughs> which was apparently 2005. That's earlier than I thought it was. Some of that fear was, or some of those fears and anxieties with biological weapons and the whole dirty bombs thing those i think did get translated into variations on zombies and mostly zombies right but like mutations and sickness and things like that i'm thinking of uh what was it, 10, 10 cloverfield lane or were people like isolated and so there were a couple of things like that it's just it, it, it it's interesting to think about what how about this as long as we're considering horror films that uh, propagate as reflective of the fears and anxieties of a society, it is also interesting to think about the fears and anxieties of a society that for whatever reason don't result in horror films. And with what you're saying, that was something I argued in in my master's thesis was – the shift in video games from like the default enemy being the Nazis to the default enemy being the Middle Eastern terrorist was like, boom, universal. We all just accept the fact that they're terrible people. They're bad, bad people. We can just immediately have a good and bad. Used to be the Nazis. Now it's Middle Eastern terrorist. And that I think was also became true in a lot of films and it makes sense that that terrorism was addressed, particularly in anything that would uphold or reinforce this ideological belief that that any sort of abuse and any sort of strategy for challenging or attacking or 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 challenging those terrorisms is justified. I mean, it's a reason I never watched Twenty Four. Is it, to me, it seemed like the entire show was just built around this notion that extra legal and and trumped up rights out, outside of of what was established in the Geneva Conventions is usable in order to get information in the new war on terror. This was all what John You and and George Bush and Cheney and the rest of them what built was oh laws don't matter anymore. We're going to torture people because that's going to save lives, which it didn't, but People still believe that it did, and so within all of that within the spy and action and policing or whatever that all makes sense so there's some explanation for that in those
1: what makes action not horror
0: right particularly in those i mean in particularly in those uh um films where there is where where there are these like extensive scenes or at least implied. Uh, some of them like i said i haven't watched out of refusal but of torture let's let's watch the the middle eastern uh, suspected terrorist the good guy the good white us cia agent or whatever torture this guy and eventually get some sort of knowledge and then saves the day or figures out it's false and still saves the day or whatever it was you know but you're right what why are those scenes of torture not torture porn and in the in the horror sense of torture porn and and hostile is?
1: We might want to watch one of those just to dig into that more.
0: Hostile or one of the a- no, one action of, films?
1: Yeah, one of the because I'm I'm fascinated in this moment by the fact that we would even just call it action as though obviously it's a different category, because what does that mean? You know, that's a really Important question. This came up in Dark Waters, right? Is Dark Waters horror? The topic should be horror. Seems like it could fit a horror film. And I think what we decided in that, or one of the ideas we floated at least, was that a horror film will focus on suffering. And that Dark Waters, by not showing the suffering and by not lingering in the pain that people were experiencing, was more about the logistics of what was happening versus the actual pain and suffering. But I, I wanted for a second to throw that out with regard to action films and say, oh, action films are about like logistics and who's running where and who's got the bomb or whatever. They're not about the suffering. But I don't think that's universally true. I think there absolutely are action films that have as much pain and suffering in them. I mean, certainly as some of the films that we have categorized as horror.
0: Right. Which, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, and that, you know, begs the question of, of uh, the rise of the body count in action films. I mean, I'm thinking of some of my favorite films, which are the John Wick films, which are like this John Wick is this, that trilogy became this phenomenon. It was a relatively low budget film. I mean, the the guy who directed it was Keanu's stunt double in The Matrix and stunt coordinator. So he had Hollywood experience, but thought it was a mid budget, kind of under the radar film. And it turned into this huge thing. And I don't remember off the top of my head, but there, he kills like a hundred and something people in the film. It's just this, the action is him killing people. <laughs> and, you know, if you put a mask and a machete.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. It was like, right. if you go to a slasher film, like that's not, there's not a lot of emotional depth. <laughs> necessarily. Right. So we should do that. That's a super interesting question that we have not stumbled on yet.
0: Right, except john Wick is is righteous in that he was wronged he was wronged dramatically in the beginning of the film, and that gives him moral high ground, presumably to to then kill endless amounts of people connected with that that wrongdoing
1: like Friday the 13th or something I mean mm-hmm. so like right the, the super interesting question in all of that to me is what what's our difference why are we because we're both doing it we're both so able to clearly draw that line and say that's not horror but we should be able to explain why and i can't right now
0: i feel like i should read something about genre somebody must there must be some sort of classic text about defining genre that somebody's done that seems well, like a fine. question
1: and read it or if it yeah. doesn't exist then let's just let's let's do that sometime because that's this a super interesting question
0: yeah, I, I think it is an interesting question. I you know, I worry kinda like it's funny, I worry now kinda like you did, I think, with Dark Waters of well, we don't want to wander too far away.
1: But but that's fascinating because it is. a huge money count, tons of blood, tons of violence, fear, we have an enemy, we have character characterization of good and evil. Where's our difference?
0: The the right, and the 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 artistic the artistry of the kills is part of the fun, <laughs> or as much of the fun. <laughs> well, it's something to sleep on.
1: <laughs> I think we need to do it. I think we need to queue it up at some point. All right, but anyway, let's get back to this film and grade it. All right,
0: grade away. All right, I, I'm going to give the quick intro because I think it helps. We grade the film in terms of social responsibility and that includes, you'll hear us talk about it, that includes things like representation and what the ideological argument is and what is represented or what is uh, presented as the good versus the evil levels of gratuity and that sort of thing. So this is really distinct from whether or not we liked the film or enjoyed it at whatever other level. It's what, what do we think it contributes to to the moral ecology of our culture. And so <laughs> I wish people could see your face right now, because I feel very similarly. Uh, I don't want to fail it, but I, I definitely is in a good grade and I still don't know exactly why, but I don't want to fail it. I don't know if I just appreciate the nihilism of it, even if it's the, the nihilism at least seems somewhat intentional. If for no other reason than these points of dialogue, it, it, it just those points of dialogue. But like you said, that nihilism feels very dangerous. I don't. Th- I certainly don't think I can give it a, a you know C minus credit for major. It's, it's somewhere in the D for me. I, I don't know exactly where.
1: I was considering C minus. Were you? That's but I, w- I was, and at the same time, I was thinking, "Gosh, I've given." I've given so many things a D and I don't know why I just don't quite want to bump it down that low, but I I can't give you a good reason. It had the potential to do things that were interesting. I started off thinking I agreed with its argument and then got confused and then maybe agreed again, sort of with a different argument by the end, but then wasn't sure how those two were supposed to come together. And that felt sloppy. I, I, okay. I think I know. I think the reason I'm tempted to bump it a little higher is because it did seem at the beginning, at least, like it was taking some political and cultural risks that films often don't do. By making it about groups that persecute homosexuals, that was that was pointed criticism, or it felt like pointed criticism in a way that can be risky, because you can alienate some of your audience. And I appreciated it for taking that on. It just what it did with it got so weird that I was first critical, like I said, in a Michael Moore kind of way where it was like, I agree with you and I'm really bothered by the way you're making this argument. And then by the end, it's like, oh, okay, you kind of sort of pulled something together there, but that makes everything else confusing. I think this the sole thing that I want to bump it up on is the fact that it felt to me like it was taking a risk around a topic that's important and not addressed very often, but then it kind of botched it. So. I mean, that's
0: funny because that's kind of where I started and now I'm rethinking whether or
1: not I want to give it the C
0: minus. I could do a C minus with like comments. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, uh, I'm okay with that. I, I'm partly okay with that because the the religious the the religious cult was never exonerated, and there is something that's still there. Where you know what? Even if the federal government fucked it up, and there's issues there. That the problematizing that sort of fundamentalist extremist approach to to religion amongst those groups in the U.S. is is un is almost never done, and I would have to imagine that as an independent filmmaker, that's that's really how how Kevin Smith was able to do it. And you know, I got to give him credit for I, I will say in the context of his career. He tried to do something other than make pot and Star Wars jokes. <laughs> he did that in ten other movies or whatever, but try try to do something. Okay. I'll give you a little oh uh, yeah, I'll give you the C minus Kevin in in the uh, hopes that you would try and make another film that did something more than pot and Star Wars jokes instead of what he did do, which was return to those for five other movies or however many he's made since then. So I'm going to get, I'm with you, that. Laura, I'm going to give him the grade as a encouragement, which is not something, something I sometimes forget to do of, of keep going this way.
1: <laughs> I feel good about that. And I liked the line about the, what was it? The, the repeating that line always, Always gets them to listen, or whatever it was. That was actually really funny. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was really funny. I don't. I didn't do it justice there, but that right. line was horribly
0: right. funny. I can splice that in. I think it's the use of the word "repeat" that makes this work every time. He he's the that actor is the sidekick in A Few Good Men also, and uh, he's a great sidekick. I don't know why he didn't end up with more more work. Anyway, all right. We appreciate you listening. We hope you enjoyed Red State, even though we're frazzled. I think we pulled it together pretty well. I hope you think we did too. And horror films are our collective nightmares. Welcome. This is the collective night. Well, oh my God! Welcome. This is the collective nightmares podcast. <laughs> I can't do it. One more try. Welcome. This is the collective nightmares podcast. My name is Marshall Smith. Nope. Welcome. I just. I need to. Oh, <laughs> the wheels are turning, Laura. The wheels are turning. We hope you accept our online invitation. To join us for our discussion of Red State,
1: I don't get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, because the group of teens receive an online invitation for sex.
1: Oh, all right, uh, all right. <laughs> that's not very. It's a heck of a <laughs> lot better than I could have done,
0: <laughs> I mean, I just read that, so that's all I had. Um,
1: I, I don't really, good. I, I, it's good enough. It's let's good. go with it.
0: Right. <laughs>